Turn with me, if you will, to James chapter 3. Continue our study this morning, James chapter 3. This morning we'll look at verses 5 to 8. James 3, 5 to 8. This text today reminds me of a television commercial. <clears throat> I think it was Fram Oil Filters ran this years ago. The mechanic has got his head down under the hood of a car, working on an engine, doing some major repair work. And as the camera pans in, he looks up and explains that if the people had spent some money all along changing the oil in this thing, they wouldn't be spending this big money now. And then he stands up and holds up the oil filter with the company name on it and delivers the punchline. says, pay me now or pay me later. I think that's just how life is in a lot of things, isn't it? Pay me now or you're going to pay big time later on. So I reminded you of that the last time we looked at James here. For you see, we either learned the lesson of that last sermon, or you may have already had to start learning the harder lesson of today's sermon. The last time we spoke of this, these verses right prior to this, verses 3 to 5, last time we spoke of that, it's a challenge of exercising control over our tongue. We saw how our tongue is the master key to controlling our whole life. But if you ignored that lesson, you may already have begun to experience what we're going to talk about today, how an uncontrolled tongue brings evil and destruction and ruin into your life. In other words, you can pay early, or you're going to pay later. You can pay with the discipline of controlling your tongue, or you're going to pay with the ruin and destruction that an uncontrolled tongue will bring. Well, let's pick it up and read again, beginning with verse 5. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Two truths I want us to learn this morning, and we'll spend almost all of our time on the first one, and I'll just mention the second one quite briefly. The first is just this. The tongue introduces evil into our lives. The tongue introduces evil into our lives. You know, there's certain kinds of people that we find especially despicable. 
among them are those who betray everyone else for their own advantage. I think of uh, drug pushers or uh, enemy spies or, or child molesters. These people operate among us, they befriend us, they befriend our children, perhaps even do some good in our presence to gain credibility. But their real agenda is to do something evil, something that will destroy us. And such people we find beyond contempt. Strange then that we should find that here James says, our tongue is just like that. The Bible speaks of three sources of evil in our life. There's the evil world around us. There's the devil himself, the evil one. And then there's the evil in, inside us, our own flesh. Three sources of evil. And from those sources, the world, the flesh, and the devil, sin comes in to destroy us. <coughs> but how does it come in? <coughs> how does sin do its dirty work? How do these sources of evil ever gained a foothold inside of us to, to destroy us? Well, our text tells us that the tongue is that treasonous foreign agent. The tongue is that drug pusher or that child molester in our midst. The tongue is that member that is sounds so sweet, but is deceiving us because really, it's introducing evil into our lives. Let me show you how that works. Let's just talk about each of these a moment. First of all, the tongue introduces the evil of the world into our lives. In the beginning of verse 6, we read, The tongue is, it says literally, the world of evil among the parts of the body. The tongue is the world of evil among the parts of the body. Now when the scripture speaks of the world, the scripture normally is not speaking of the physical universe, the stars and the, and the earth and the sun and that. No, normally the world is a reference to this present state of affairs, the, the scheme of things organized on the basis of man's sinfulness, man's hostility toward God, his rejection of Christ, the system. The evil system that's all around us. The system of unrighteousness. Our text says that the tongue acts as an agent of that system of unrighteousness, makes itself available to the world as the focal point of all that unrighteousness in us. Right in our own members, in our own circle. The tongue is the enemy agent of the evil world, the enemy of God, functioning inside as a mole in the church, as a mole in the Christian, pretending to be friendly, but bent on betraying us to the world. The tongue introduces evil, the evil of the world. Secondly, the tongue is the agent of the evil one, the devil, among us. Verse 6 goes on to say, the tongue is itself set on fire by hell. 
we might have inadvertently admitted this truth upon hearing someone unleash the fury of the tongue, we might have said, boy, all hell broke loose. Exactly. Exactly. Our tongue says, uh, the text says that our tongue is the source of the destructive evil power of Satan himself that can be unleashed in a moment from the evil one. The fire of hell, evil directly related to Satan, entering by the tongue. You see, the tongue is not only anti-God, it's not only an instrument of the world, it is pro-Satan. It's a fiery, destructive evil fired by hell itself. That's nothing to scoff at. That's hard language. The tongue introduces evil. Evil straight from hell into our lives. Well, then, thirdly, the tongue introduces the evil of the flesh into our lives. Verse 8 says that the tongue is itself a restless evil. I see, so far, the sources of evil have been out there, the world out there, the devil out there. But the real situation is actually worse than that. For the tongue itself is evil. It's not just the enemy agent, the evil out there, it's the agent of the evil inside. It's the kindred spirit found in our own heart that makes us have some connection to that evil out there. The tongue teams up with the flesh to express that evil as well. That's what Jesus was talking about when he said, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good for out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. We all know that there's evil buried in our heart somewhere. How does it express itself? How does it get into our lives? The tongue. James makes a similar point in verse 7 and 8 when he talks about how we've proved capable of taming all kinds of things, but this tongue we have not yet tamed. He ends by saying it is a restless evil within us. The tongue introduces evil into our life. The evil of the world. The evil of Satan. The evil of our own flesh. Now, last time we talked about the tongue, we talked about its tremendous potential. If you can control it, you can control your whole self. But in that whole discussion, the tongue was a passive member. It was like a bit in a horse's mouth. It was like the rudder on the ship, you recall. Something with great potential, though it is very small, something which could be used to restrain or direct for good. But here we have quite a different picture this week. Today, the tongue is seen in a different light. It's no longer passive. It is no longer the potential instrument of good. No, it is actively the agent of evil within us. Now, how does that look? How does that work? 
Well, I thought about it. I won't try to apply it to your home and your marriage and your family or your personal life. Let's, let's, let's talk about how it works in a church. You can make the other application. How does the world out there make inroads into the church? How does the unrighteousness that surrounds us in the world of unbelief, how does that come to be practiced here? among Christians, introduced by the tongue. The tongue brings the materialism of the world, the hedonism of the world, into the church. The tongue brings the ways of the world, its divisiveness, its methodologies, its mentality, into the church. The tongue brings the philosophies of the world with their godlessness and man-centeredness. The tongue brings them in. The tongue is the agent of the evil world. Those things are first spoken among us. And then we be comfortable, become comfortable with the sound of them. And we begin to practice the things of the world. Introduced by the tongue, yours or mine. Or how does all hell break loose in a church? It happens all the time. Hatred, envy, strife, backbiting, slander, lies, half-truths. How does Satan get a foothold in a church to set it on fire with wickedness? How could that happen? We've probably all seen that happen in the church. Just a church exploding on fire with him. How does Satan do that? This isn't his turf. Uncontrolled tongue. That's how. With deceitful tongue, a little lie, and evil begins to smolter deep in the body. With a smooth tongue, the seeds of heresy get planted. With angry tongues, the fires of hell get ignited. Oh, it's happened again and again, and it makes you weep to see the tongues of supposedly Christian people lighting the fire of hell in the church. Or how does the wretchedness of our own sinful flesh break out and flare up and cause trouble in the church? How can that wickedness gain, gain access into the sacred realm of the new life that we have in Christ? How can a teacher of truth one day become a false prophet? How can the love of the brethren one day turn into impurity and immorality? How can a faithful stewardship turn into financial fraud? How can that happen? Who is it that betrays us? What member dares to pollute the living water? The tongue. The tongue dares to speak the unspeakable. The tongue dares to cross the line that we would never cross, but our mouth will cross. 
The tongue is the agent of our unrestrained sinfulness, constantly seeking ways to undo us. Oh, make no mistake, whether on a personal level or on a corporate level as a church family or as, a, as a, your little family, the tongue introduces evil into our lives. Now, the second truth we want to consider ought to be just automatically understood. It ought not even need to be mentioned. The fact that where there is evil, there's going to be destruction. But in our culture, it's widely presumed that you could have evil and it wouldn't amount to anything. It wouldn't cause any trouble. It doesn't necessarily hurt anyone, the fact that evil is introduced. And so we'll make the point explicitly that the uncontrolled tongue not only introduces evil, among us. The uncontrolled tongue brings certain destruction. It destroys. When I was a little boy, we used to go for a few summers up to a Christian conference up in Estes Park, Colorado. Now, we lived in Oklahoma. Boy, that was the most awesome thing I had ever seen. You know, Oklahoma, there's not a lot of trees. There's mostly flat, hot, red dirt. But the Rocky Mountains, man, it was awesome. It was like paradise. Trees, mountains, streams. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven when I saw that. And then one summer we came. And I saw the devastation of a forest fire. Paradise had been destroyed. It looked as if the world had come to an end. Bleak and black and smelly and ugly. There was not a sign of life. There was nothing green, nothing moved. It was a vast array of destruction as far as you could see. Miles and miles of ugliness, charred, burned to oblivion. Profound image in my little mind that I've never forgotten. Some of you have seen this. You live in the land where there are forest fires. James says, that's a picture of what the tongue produces. That's the destruction of your tongue. Look at a forest fire. That's what the tongue does best. In fact, interestingly, four times in a verse and a half, four times, James calls the tongue a Nothing else can quite describe the destruction that it brings. The uncontrolled tongue is bent on destruction. It will burn everything in sight. That doesn't take much to cause that fire. Great forest fires that can burn hundreds of thousands of acres are started by one spark. One match, 
one campfire, one cigarette tossed out along the dry roadside. Just a spark. And verse 6 says our little tongue is just like that one spark. It begins as just words. Simple, innocent little words. I was just kidding. I didn't mean anything by it. Words. Just a slip of the tongue. Idle talk. And it goes on to corrupt the whole person. For after a while it's more than talk. Oh, and it doesn't stop there. Verse 6 goes on to say that it sets the whole course of life on fire. That's a little phrase that's hard to understand exactly, but it speaks of the cycle of life. That which is true, not just in this moment, but that which becomes the pattern of my life, the pattern that I pass on to my children and my grandchildren for the generations. And it's in this whole arena of the cycles of life unto the generations that the tongue does its destructive work. It doesn't just destroy this moment. It sets up a cycle of destruction that destroys my grandchildren's lives. The uncontrolled tongue is bent on destruction, far-reaching, continuing destruction that burns out of control like a forest fire. And if all that imagery isn't powerful enough, James throws in one more little picture. He doesn't unpack it for us. He just throws it in on the end. The end of verse 8. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Oh, there's a whole different picture, isn't there? That's a completely different kind of destruction. Poison. Less obvious. Just as deadly. Eats away inside. Still kills. And like fire, it only takes a little dose to pollute everything. Bring destruction. And that's how the uncontrolled tongue works bent on destruction. Dear brothers and sisters, this is not fun stuff to think about. But this applies to us too. This applies to wives at Lake Chapel. As I thought about this, I thought, you know, there's a sense that I'm very aware of all the time there's a sense in which we live in a powder keg here. We have very diverse people in this chapel. Diverse backgrounds. Very diverse views. Diverse theological views. Diverse political views. Diverse lifestyles. We have lots of diversity. We have things side by side here that never function side by side. They never survive when put together. And yet, God has blessed us with peace, with unity, with joy in our salvation. Which, 
is a constant source of amazement to many of us. The beauty of this diverse little chapel. But as we grow, you know, our views become more informed and stronger. We become more determined that we really are right and others really are wrong. And the temperature begins to rise sometimes. Our differences with one another become more pronounced. And yet we continue to live in peace, unity, so far. Oh, but don't you see, all it would take to blow this little chapel apart, to burn it to the ground, I don't mean the building, I mean the people, to splinter it into many warring factions. What would it take? One careless spark. A false accusation that you didn't bother to check out. A slanderous slur because you weren't willing to go and address the brother that you thought sinned the way God tells us to. A personal attack, rather than dealing with the problem, attack the person. Everybody does it, right? A little juicy bit of gossip, entertainment at somebody else's expense. A little dose of sinful grumbling about some petty thing that the council does, or the pastor does, or somebody else in the congregation does. It doesn't take much. Your tongue, my tongue, perfectly capable of lighting the powder keg and blowing this church off the map. So I call you to guard your tongue. To pray with the psalmist. Here's, here's a verse you ought to memorize. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. See, the problem with the tongue is greater than we ever imagined. It's not just that I occasionally say things that I regret, though that certainly is true. It's worse than that. The tongue is the agent of every kind of evil, the representative of the world and the flesh and the devil that seeks to introduce that evil into my personal life and into my little family and into this church family. And in introducing that evil, the tongue is not innocent. It is bent on destruction. It does it to destroy. It's like a fire that ignites a forest. It's like a dose of poison in the water supply. So what's the answer? This is a bleak picture. Where do we go with this? Well, just in closing, this is not the first time we've heard this kind of thing in the Bible. I think back to Isaiah chapter 6. That's when the prophet Isaiah saw this vision of the Lord in his holiness. The, the seraphim and the cherubim, the angels of heaven crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. 
And you remember Isaiah's response when he saw this vision of the absolute purity and holiness of the Lord. He says, woe is me, I am undone. I've had it. Why? For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And now, here I have seen the Lord. It was the wickedness of the tongue that caused Isaiah to see how desperately in trouble he was in view of God's holiness. But do you remember what God did in that vision? One of the seraphs, one of the angels, flew over and took the tongues and got a burning hot coal off the altar and comes over and pushes it in Isaiah's mouth. Ouch! <laughs> in effect, God cauterized Isaiah's wicked mouth to stop the hemorrhaging of wickedness from his lips. And God said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. And from that moment, Isaiah was useful to speak God's truth. Folks, all that imagery of the Old Testament is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus. He is the one who is able to forgive the sins of our tongue and to renew us, to make us holy, to stop the wickedness, to turn our tongue into an instrument of righteousness. He is able to, to get, do away with the defilement and the pollution of our mouths. He came to do this. For this he died. To take away the wickedness. This worst kind of wickedness. For this he's now sent his spirit to deliver us from this wickedness. And so this morning as I would force us. Trying to be faithful to what James wrote. Force us to look at the ugliness of the tongue. I also call you to Jesus, for he's the only one that can change it. He's the only one that can purify our mouths. For that he died. For that he offers us his salvation. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father, there's not a one of us here that is innocent in regard to our tongue. When we read these things, it is a wonder that everything is not destroyed already. For Lord, our tongues have so often been out of control. We acknowledge your grace to us. That you've put out the fire so many times. Lord, I pray that you would not just put out the fire, but that you would purify us. Oh, Lord, we would come to you, we would ask you to create in us a new heart, a clean heart, to take away the sin and the love of sinning, to, to break the patterns of wicked talk that have gone on in our lives for years, that have destroyed marriages, destroyed children, destroyed families, 
secluded churches. Oh, Lord, would you break the cycle of wickedness of our uncontrolled tongue. Lord, for some of us, this is the most desperate need of our whole life. For all of us, Lord, it is certainly a, a great, great need. So we ask you to do that by the mercy, by the grace of the Lord Jesus. We know we cannot change ourselves. It will be back to the same things again tomorrow. Lord, would you, by your grace, forgive, renew, and change. We ask in your precious name. Amen.